what are, what are you guys been up this week? Hopefully, hopefully, Junior, you didn't like almost fall and die this morning. It's been a week Jesus. since that experience. No, but I... <laughs> it's been a week since our last experience where you know kind of put a damper on the whole episode. So, listeners, I apologize well, for that last le- episode. Yeah, no, I mean nothing this morning. But I mean, I've had bouts of. I think I almost passed out of work on Friday. Um, so, but basically, it's 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 the beaties. Have you not gone to the doctor yet? Either pre- well, you have to schedule an appointment. It's not like you can just go to your primary care physician anytime you want, bro. It's not it's not Amazon. So um, I'll be nice. there Tuesday. Nice. Man, <clears throat> yeah, this week, uh, I mean, I watched it. We were talking about it earlier, the Dragon Ball movie. Mm. And then I just, I don't know why, because before Junior left to go wherever the hell he went, I forgot what, uh, he, we mentioned like, hp lovecraft and oh in the future we could probably do like some sort of i forgot specifically what we were talking about like i guess like a podcast related to movies that are closely related to some things of his works so i went to the bookstore and i picked me up the commemorative edition necronomicon which has a lot of his stories in here and i'm I've nice read a few of them and then i also picked up the metamorphosis which hey, is you can also of- what Watch the uh, the South Park Cthulhu episodes with the oh, yeah. I haven't even gotten to that part, but like <laughs> it seems like he he actually uses like real locations for some of his like places, like some places in the Middle mm-hmm. East, and then he's just like, oh god, I didn't even I thought this was all made up, but then there will be places that are made up, and he's like, oh, so that's not real, and that's just you know, but yeah, that's that's what I've been up to. Yeah, no, that. Uh... What I was saying, what Josh was referencing, I said, well, yeah, maybe next year we could do like the the HP, the Lovecraftian Halloweeny special for, you know. Oh, big Halloween. time, dude. That would but, be awesome. There's so many yeah. things you could, we could. Yeah, yeah, just movies. Yeah. What, I mean, I don't know. Like, I I can't name one off the top of my head. Can you? A Lovecraft like, movie? As... I mean, there's the, the Color Out of Space. I've been seeing oh, a lot right. of that. I've yeah. really been wanting to skip to that just to read it. Which I guess kind of that was kind of a little bit of what the yeah, endless yeah, was, the right? Eldrick, you know, being from outside of our dimension, coming here, and I, it kind of plays on what Lovecraft does, where there's like uh, the cult of Cthulhu, where it's like these crazy fucking people that worship this deity that's like basically endless. You know, it's always been there. It's terrifying. Mm. It's really cool. I like it. You know, outside of hmm. Lovecraft, you know, being a terrible racist. Um, Excuse right. me. Well, I will defend yeah. this. The man later became more progressive towards the end of his life. So just well, saying. Uh, well, that, oh, that's where, good. I, I don't have any information on that, so I can't speak to it. But that is that is interesting. Yeah, I can't. But, I mean, I was going to say Henry Ford was an anti-Semite. And, you know, we still draft Fords around. I mean, so I, um, I mean, this yeah. when was he born? Like 1890-something. So, I mean... Like yeah, it was a product expect? of his time, yeah. Exactly, time. exactly. Right, but you know, yeah, he was still a racist. He, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. What have you been up to this week? I mean, other than probably worried about my, my health. Waifu statue that Zach was showing me before you got on. Oh, <laughs> no, like, Bro, look at waifu ass, statue. Man. But you know, I, I do on a daily basis look at you know the Japanese release cycle of anime figures. You know, see if there's anything that you know I want that looks cool. Hasn't really been too much this week. Um, outside of that, you know, just kind of working. Um, hmm. You know, yeah, just working, working out, 
you know, trying to make sure I don't de- develop the BDs either. Damn, um, dude. Damn. Josh, Wait, you I'm better watch out, bro. Man, it is. You're right. Josh That's has actually good. lost some weight. Just be so, careful, you know. Make sure I mean, you're active. I'm probably too, not you know? eating right. I mean, I'm moving. So know, like, like that's that's something you have to be careful with. With diabetes, you could be losing weight and not realize it's because you are diabetic. Hmm. I so mean, like, if you haven't done anything different, yeah. like if you're eating less and you know you're more active and you're losing weight, then it makes sense. But if you don't you haven't changed anything and you're losing weight, that's something you should, you know, it's more to. like the portions. Well, anything, I think that's probably what it is. That's good then. Yeah. yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Josh usually would eat a whole like pizza, but now he like only yeah, tap and saves the other <laughs> that's, half. That's or, it. The other <laughs> thing I, and jo- Josh, maybe you can confirm this or not. Maybe it's because I'm not as home as much since I actually, you know, have a job that makes me have to leave the house. Um, but it, I feel like you don't get as much fast food either. Because shit's like, expensive, man. Like, That's like, right, dude. Inflation. Bro, it's ridiculous. Like $15 for this whole meal. Like I went to, yeah, it was a chick. No, it was a chick. Raising Canes. And it was just like, yeah, give me the Caniac combo. And usually that runs about normally before inflation was like 12 something. No, 11 something plus tax. Now it's like. 14 or 15 dollars without taxes which brings up to like 16 or 17 dollars i'm like my god i could have went to fucking like i don't know i could have went somewhere else and got more food you know you could have got two loaves of bread two things of bologna two things of cheese mustard and like if you were feeling lucky like a pack of hostess oatmeal cream pies bro Okay, Dad. Like that sounds like that. He'd be like, "Yeah, give me." You get a bread and bologna and mustard. And I'm like, "Okay." You remember that time we all went to like the 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 museum and he brought hot dogs and he didn't have anything to grill them with. Yep. And, I that. and we were cold. eating cold ass hot dogs. That's the nastiest shit. I will never forget that. I was like, "This is gross." Uh, I mean, when you think about it, it's basically just bologna rolled up into pretty much. Well, it's, it, it's a weenie. He's like, you want to eat this cold weenie? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want. Yeah, because that uh, that side of the family loved to say weenies instead of hot dogs, which was the weirdest thing. <laughs> We're revisiting a whole conversation we had a few months ago. Yeah, I was about to. I literally, I was literally about to do voiceover listener. This is the canon part of the uh, episode where we talk about weenies again. Uh, I mean, I, I think I've eaten a lot of hot, cold hot dogs in my day as a kid. I a mean, lot. I, my grandparents. I couldn't do that, dude. Well, because well, then nobody would like my grandmother would boil them, and I was I was probably like six or seven, and you know I didn't know how to start the the gas stove, and so I just grab a couple like weenies. A moron if you're six years old and you don't know how to turn on an oven, bro. What's wrong with a you? gas stove? That means I had to light the match. I'm kidding, I'm like, there's kidding. a whole. Th- I probably would have blown the house up. Yeah, bro. you probably We'd burned so much shit in the house as kids. Like, we we, we were trial by fire, children. You it's and quite me, Josh, literally. Like, literally, we you know, like we we've said on other episodes, we were eating <laughs> fucking pills, pills. Yeah, no, that that was they the funniest shit ever heard. They tasted good. It's, they did. They're they were like sour, bottles. dude. I think yeah. we were like trying to chase the Lucas slash sweet tart fucking oh. high of candy, bro. <laughs> Didn't I tell you that uh, there was something in the Lucas? It was like either oh, yeah, that or lead. some stupid. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. dude, that, we're gonna die, dude. Dude. So today, I guess we're just going down old memory lane of podcast topics. So uh, uh, feels good. <laughs> feels great. You know, it's nice to reminisce. <laughs> yeah, it is. What happens when you're diabetic? Do you have to take insulin? Is it because your body stops producing insulin or something? I don't yeah, know so fully. Yeah, your insulin your insulin sensitivity gets too high. And so then you, 
you can't regulate the blood the sugar the sugar in your blood your glucose basically so yeah your your insulin you become kind of your 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 insulin becomes numb because it's so used to eating so badly that the sugar levels in your blood just keep going up until it becomes a problem um and then you have to either Again, for me, I don't know if I'm like pre-diabetic or my full diabetic at this point. But um, if it's type two diabetes, they could—they're possibly at this point they could possibly just give me some medicine to regulate the glucose, and I just got to make habit changes. Um, some I mean, people are can, able to like completely yeah, reverse it. it, right? Like yeah. it depends on yeah. the type of diabetes, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. If it's type, I think if it's type two, that's the one that you can kind of reverse it, but it's always going to kind of be there if you, you know, if you don't, if you break, if bad. you don't, yeah, if you break bad, then yeah, it'll flare back up. But then it's like, if it gets to the point where you need insulin, I think at that point you're pretty much shot. Like there's no reverse in that one. Like if it gets to the point where you have to have insulin shots. I mean, I hear that shit's over. expensive, bro. So oh, hopefully yeah. that's yeah. not. No. Yeah, you know it's uh it's hard it's hard out here for a pimp. And then if it gets too bad, I mean, we had an uncle that had to take dialysis. It's yeah, just like filtering yeah, out your blood and putting it back in. It's just like what? That's and so crazy. Do they like sell the sugar that they filter out of your blood to people? Like mm, get that dialysis. Ooh, sugar. Interesting. Interesting. Industrial sugar diabetic. I don't know. Yeah, they sell that to the vampires. That's right. Um, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's in their it's in their. Uh, they're oatmeal cream pies. They're like, oh, yeah. I get that. Mm, this is type A. Type A. Yeah, type A, type A, type one diabetes right here. This is delicious. Mm, so good. Mm, I'm trying to get that A B. What's the most rare blood? A, B, is it a B or I thought A B negative. Trying to get that A B negative. That shit's rare. Mm. Wonder how that would taste. Kind of like the Rick and Morty. Like I know blood. we referenced that too. You know, they they do it up nice, like a little uh, red velvet cake or something. You know, put it in there. Um, the 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 brides of uh, Dracula are, are eating it. Um, yeah. Jesus, oh, <laughs> fucking Jesus! I really don't know why they showed me that shit file. Like, I did not need to see that in the movie. Like, I'm taking you, shit. It's like yeah, I like know, it, I know. I see. I saw it. Thanks for. I wanted to kind of rewind that and go look back at it. And listeners were were were. were we're talking about under the silver lake at this point. Um, but, uh, what was like, I felt like there was like parasites on the shit. I didn't want to go back and look at it. I, I, I just know, was like, dude, it is gross. It was weird. It had like crusty little stuff. Like, maybe on. he was I, eating quinoa. Like that was like undigested. <laughs> quinoa it, was or it, it was like, it had sprinkled. I don't even know what it was, man. Just yeah. sprinkled. Something. That was so nasty. You guys. Um, so should we jump into the movies? Which movie do we want to do first? Um, I feel like let's do under the silver lake because I feel like there's a lot to unpack, and so okay. let's use all let, our let, mental capacity okay. for the beginning. Um, so it's it's a noir. Um, I, I maybe it would be considered a neo noir, newer mm-hmm. um, version, but basically what it is is there's an individual that comes into contact with a woman that he becomes kind of obsessed with, and he's going through his own issues, but. Basically, she disappears, and he's going about trying to figure out what happened to her, and in the process, discovers huge conspiracies involving music, art, culture, billionaires, just pop and culture music. in general. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a it's a trip. I really I really like it. What do you guys? Josh, think it was it was Josh's first time. So what did you think, Josh? Um. What I thought about the movie 
it was very um it was almost nihilistic in a sense like it seemed like nothing really mattered but because even at the end you clearly show he went back to what what he normally did you know just feed on the uh, not feed on the flesh but quite you know he craved human flesh he literally loved women or he was a womanizer i don't know whichever you want to portray mm. that the guy was just a fiend for mm, love that's a good point you know but um yeah because like after we found out what happened to her and she was in that bunker uh he just went back to just being what whatever he he did i mean like it was still good but it was just a different viewpoint of the of the movie like let's say compared to the Dell and the blue dress, it, it had a conclusion and everything and it, it all neatly packed up and nicely. Right. But this one ended, I wouldn't say badly. It wasn't bad. It was just, it had a different view, a nihilistic view of just like almost nothing mattered at all. Yeah, right. I'm not saying that's a bad that. thing. It was just a different type of, uh, it was just different to me, which doesn't make it bad. So, I, I mean, it was still a good movie. It was definitely enjoyable, and there's a lot. This movie seems like it was very um, up for interpretation for different types of reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, there, It's like there's not one true interpretation because there's so much goddamn shit in this movie and so many different there, moving parts. So, let me ask there you this. There is a lot of stuff in this movie. There's one thing that I never really was clear on and I don't think it's clear at all still um but was he the dog killer? I think he was. You know, you kind of gave a pretty like good synopsis of like what the movie's about but it starts it opens in the so I, this is the second time I've seen it and I remember and I don't know if y'all knew this I found this out later or like I was after we watched this I remember seeing stuff about it at like cans and i was like oh i want to see this movie and then i never it never seemed to have been released and then i remember zach saying hey dude you gotta check this movie out and i'm like oh yeah i've heard about that is it out i didn't know it was out so there was a huge ordeal when a24 like tried to release this it, i don't know if it's because they didn't know what to do with the movie and how to market it um but i know the first time i watched it i was kind of like yeah it was really good but then to josh's point i'm like wait what am i supposed to take away from this movie um, but listeners, so basically there is, you open it up and there's a, they're scraping off, like off a coffee shop, like someone wrote, beware of the dog killer. So that's kind of like something they set up and they kind of play with in the first half of the movie. Right. And then when he goes into the rabbit hole, it kind of just gets pushed off to the side, I think. So, um, but I do feel like you guys this time around when I watched it the second time and at the end, he's standing on that, um, there was a character, the older woman with the parents who likes to just be topless out on her balcony. He goes over at the end and has sex with her and staring at his apartment, um, which he's about to be evicted out of. And you, he does this weird grin and you're like, oh shit, is he the dog killer? Um, so I, I do feel like this time around, like I can put together pieces that would make a good argument. So what, what do you think? So for me, okay, um, for starters, this is another one of those A24 movies that the first time I saw it, I had no idea what it was when I went to watch it. It was at the Alamo Draft House, and it was just, it's when they had, I think, released the movie pass. I was watching a lot of movies at the Alamo, and I, it was just mm. a movie to watch, so I just went and watched it, and I was completely blown away. I really enjoyed it. But 
going to what we were specifically talking about, there are multiple instances that lead me to believe that he's the dog killer, right? So first of all, it cuts to beware the dog killer, and then the person that mm-hmm. it focuses on is him, That's right? Him. And then there's uh, the moment where the dog is cut up in on the floor, and it you think it's that girl that went missing, but it's a man dressed in a wig that kind of looks like him. I don't think it was him, but you kind of get that. Who's who's eating a dead body, remember? Yeah. Or what? Yeah. yeah. Whose it's body a, was she's, it? I don't know. Like, I, I, but yeah, I, it gets so pulled right. apart, right? Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Um, so there's that. Which could be a metaphor of like, to your point of him like being torn in two mm-hmm. because of this girl. And what was his profession? Because another thing I think that's played at is that it seems like he's kind of like a failed actor, which plays on the theory of the origin of the original dog killer and that guy's scenes, right? Um, It doesn't explicitly say that he's an actor, but it does seem like that might be what's going on. And then obviously the, the hobo king, you know, being like, why do you have these and all that shit? There was like a few scenes with women like remember it would be like his first person perspective and they would be like yelling at him and then they would just start turning to barking yeah it's like what the hell is up with that right so like is he is he getting upset at these women that are berating him that he feels like he has the need to put out the anger to a smaller individual to a to a dog more specifically i mean yeah that's a good point i didn't even think of that one what I think is, remember, and you find out later, he runs into her, but he's always staring at that one dentist sign of the girl. And you come to find out that's um, his ex, his ex-girlfriend. And you've already seen how Josh kind of mentioned he's kind of a womanizer. He kind of falls in love in the moment, um, probably a little bit like myself. And Do you, you kill know, dogs? <laughs> no, I do not kill dogs. But then you see like that one hookup. And to your point, Zach, I think maybe he is. He's definitely in the industry. I feel like it's more of an actor because um, that one, um, the one girl that comes over who's like auditioning for stuff, she shows up like in a nurse outfit mm-hmm. or in, a, in the like Swedish girl thing. So like, you you know, and they just basically casually bang or whatever. Yeah, I think he's probably like an, an, a, a failed actor or in between jobs or whatever it is. Um but in that scene after he got sprayed with the skunks and he's explaining to her like his conspiracy of the world, she kind of freaks out. Like, I think maybe that's what happened with his ex and she had a dog, remember? Mm-hmm. And he was always staring at the billboard um, because he always felt like the world was always trying to send you messages. So in his mind, he was thinking like, oh, I'm going to try to get back with her. And maybe it was like killing the dogs. Like he thought maybe that would bring her him back to him her back to him so you said that he like felt of... jealous because oh wait wait because wasn't there a story sim- it was the under the silver like remember he said there was a guy that found film watched the right. thing the... and then whenever he and... he shot himself there was he was like explaining more he felt like dogs were actually um were what was the word that he said that uh he he felt jealous that they were taking his job right. or some shit like that yeah the what was it toto the one or not toto though something the wonder dog yeah, tony the wonder, the wonder dog, dog or something yeah. there's also the part what? where like he's talking to homeboys or the guy who disappears 
daughter. The, the, the guy. Who, oh, no, no. Okay, never mind. And he's like, she's like, you know, I think we should be a little concerned. Somebody that could hurt a dog could also hurt a, a person. He's like, I'm not sure that's necessarily true. Right. Mm. That And think, oh, and Josh, think about this part when you were like, why do they do a close up of him like tearing up that straw on the bar when he sits uh, sitting next to Topher Grace? He was talking about like, oh, like it's one thing to get mugged, but then you're going to see your dog get stabbed. And like, that's probably why he was being very frenetic then, mm. because it's like to show like, oh, Topher Grace is talking about the dog killer because he even goes, hey, did you hear about these dog killers? He goes, oh, there's more than one. <laughs> yeah, and true. so like there's a lot of crumbs. And then again, and then, and then, oh, here's the biggest thing. So you talked about the zine with the, the, the guy who killed himself because the dog was taking his parts. He think about how interested he is in that under the silver. Like it kind of touches base on like one, he always thinks there's some kind of codes and messages throughout the world, which we, and we'll talk about in a little bit. He comes to find out to be true, mm. but the messages aren't for him. And that's what the guy who writes the zine says like i know the secrets of the the uh, you know of, of the silver lake like i know all the secrets there's codes and when he meets him he's kind of that same type of person and remember josh i said that whole scene about like the psycho like you know it, it looked like and i know i probably mentioned this in another movie where it was something similar but zach you know when they're sitting there in his room and in his living room and all those celebrity faces all on the wall behind the guy who writes the zine it almost felt like that drawing room scene between um Janet, Janet Lee and and uh, Norman Bates in that movie, or yeah, yeah, Norman Bates in that movie, and think about it, it's like a transference. That's why he's killing the dogs because of the love of the, his ex unrequited or his ex girlfriend. Like it, he's killing the dog because maybe the dog, well, for whatever. Like I feel like there's something there that he puts in there. And think about the scene when he's at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery and the girls leave and it says Hitchcock oh, yeah. on the tombstone, yeah. like. It's it's a lot of it like it feels like they're trying to say yes this guy is the dog and remember how he rants about you you were just talking about Josh when he's talking about the girl uh, the or Zachary did the daughter of the rich guy he runs into the homeless person he's like I know I shouldn't say this but I fucking hate those people you know they're just on the periphery he's literally hating himself because he's about to get evicted yeah and the Zine guy gives him the code book for the hobo stuff like the homeless the hobo uh, dictionary. So it's like he is in a way you feel like, oh, yeah, they're trying to say like he is this and he's about to become the thing he hates. And ultimately, like, I, I almost feel like he wants to become the homeless king because now he knows all this knowledge. Well, the, the, like, the, there's the other aspect, like the the scene that like walkway, like that beautiful, like kind of like by a stream walkway to his apartment mm -hmm. um, keeps recur or recurs a couple times right he's walking through there he's being followed but then there's also his dream that the dog is dead and there's the guy who killed the person there right and in the sequence where he's being followed like i feel like that's like the homeless the people hom following him mm -hmm. especially playing yeah. into like the why did you have these in your pocket exactly oh, shit. Um, yeah dude I so that. i don't know yeah, dude, they, 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 I'm telling you this time around, I'm, I was more convinced. I know the first time I watched it, I was kind of like, is he the dog killer? But I'm like, I don't know. So many things. This is probably the third so time I happened. watched it. And it's the only time that I really was like, oh, I think he's the dog killer. Yeah. And you know, I think another thing about the movie is, you know, the first part of the movie, it's tight, bro. You know what I mean? It's, 
It's got a good setup, like how you said, how it opens on Beware the Dog Killers, looks on him. And going back to the fact that he is a womanizer or he's or he's yearning for love, he's looking at those two girls in the back in the kitchen, like, and he's, like, staring at them, like, kind of, like, yearningly, kind of in a way, but mm. also kind of, like, sad. So, but everything in that first hour or so is so tight. You know, he meets the girl, she disappears. And then it just becomes unraveled. Yeah. But I think this time watching it, because I remember that kind of being like the only issue I had the first time. But this time I feel like, oh, wait a minute. It kind of goes with what's going on in the movie. Like shit just, he goes down a rabbit hole and shit just gets crazy. Yeah. And I think that's why the movie just unravels. Because it's like, oh, what the fuck? Like so many things are happening. And that's the part of the noir I see um, as far as like how we see in The Big Sleep or even The Devil in the Blue Dress. And we talked, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but how like, Things keep just getting revealed more and more and more and more. Yeah, but like and this they took one, it to like an it, extreme. Here. Yes, yes, so far out there. That's what I really liked about it, right? So like, um, it's just it, it's so out there. It's just so fun. Like that's what I really. But I, I like the little nods though. Like I wanted to mention this: the the nods to like the older noirs. Like at mm-hmm. which Humphrey Bogart movie was it? Was it the first one or the second one that we watched or talked about? Um, was it the big sleep? I think it was the big sleep where they they shone the light right in their face. Oh yeah, you remember that to like indicate like there was darkness behind that. Like when he was talking oh, about that, how that he would was, kill. Yeah, that was uh, in a lonely place. In a lonely place. That's right. So he was talking about how he would kill somebody, and it like mm-hmm. really got dark. And they did that with not in the same way, in the same circumstances, but like with her. Whenever her face was like lit up by the light. It's just oh, like a yeah. little nod to like those older noir movies where they they would like do that to like because I mean it was completely unnecessary in this movie other than a, a <laughs> nod in my opinion right yeah well and actually now that you said it at the end that's kind of what I think happens when he like gets that weird look on his face it seems like he's in the shadows lurking almost mm. on the back on old girl's balcony and he's looking in on them because again now he's a poltergeist now he's a ghost on the fringe on the edge of the of society and he's watching people, but he's always been watching people, right? Like that's how it opened. He's got, he's, he's, that's how he meets old girl, Sarah with the, you know, he's sitting on the balcony watching through, you know, so it's like, he hates the thing he knows he's ultimately going to become, um, in a sense, but, uh, it's so weird. Like, cause if he is the killer, like they, they're presenting a nuanced figure that, is on one hand completely deplorable but at the same time you are able to relate to his drive not only to like figure out what's going on and thinking you know maybe there's bigger things going on but like he has affection right he's he's heartbroken and he's um he seems i i i don't think he's necessary i think he romanticizes love and romance a lot but i don't think uh, i cuz like he obviously gets laid relatively easy and people are like, we should fuck. Right. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Lucky. But (laughs) at the same time, he just, he wants it, but he doesn't know how to process it. Maybe. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, think about the ones that he easily like, you know, I mean, obviously he called the one girl um, from the, what was it called? The, the rising stars like escort service. Yeah. The one girl he met in the cemetery who was like an actress in the movie, which I have a point about that in a second, but like he hooks up with her, the girl with the balloon, like, Oh, we should fuck. But none of them had a dog. Yeah. 
right? So I think that's why he was so caught up with the, the character Sarah, because she had a dog. He didn't get he to kill her dog. It. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was like, oh, shit. I haven't that's... fucking closed this door. And so it became an obsession. He was like, I was about to kill the dog, but she came out, and I can't kill the dog after she's seen me, and I live right there, right? Yeah. Right. No, I think it was, I mean, that would be a, I mean, twisted part. I mean, we already, we're already saying he's maybe the, the dog killer, but, but I think it was like, he's, he found a substitution for his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Like, that's why he was so consumed with her and trying to figure out what happened. Because to, back to your point, whoever said it earlier, like, oh, I don't think necessarily someone who kills a dog would kill a person. So like now he's like trying to figure out like who killed this little girl. Except he goes on to smash the fucking songwriter's face in the most right. vicious way, yeah. right? Yes. It was very yes. reminiscent of Drive whenever he stomps the fucking mm-hmm. dude's face. And I was like, oh, that dude's and face th- was brittle as peanut brittle. Like, <laughs> just... Well, he's the songwriter. Sound like he had been around a long time. No, no, yeah, he was, he was old. His bones eventually were gonna... He had osteoporosis. There oh, were just God. like, there was air in his bones. It was... It's funny how, like, again, like this... All the stuff that, like, he, you know, he was clearly a Kurt Cobain fan, and mm. he kills the guy with, the, you know, his fucking guitar. Like, it just, like, it's like, oh, and how he said, like, oh, all your dreams and arts and ambition, or all your art and whatever is built on the ambition of other men. Ambitions like, you will never understand or even yeah. fathom of right. greater so, men. Yeah, yeah. That was, a, that was a good line. I like that. Which I think you kind of see that throughout how all the characters, him... Um, even his mom, Sarah, like with her like three dolls of like Lauren Bacall, Marilyn Monroe, and I forgot who the other one is, and her watching how to how to marry a millionaire, which is kind of weird because you know she goes in that tomb with the fucking billionaire. Like you see, everybody has this very nostalgic and revering of like old Hollywood. They're all trying to build careers on that. Like they're all trying to imitate that. You know, trying to be famous, trying to be making. I feel like there's something more about that one actress that his mom was into that he woke up on that I'm not getting. Like, I don't know enough about her or history, and I feel like there's something there. Neither did I, and I wanted to look that up because I forgot, like, how when he's talking to the the daughter, uh, I forget what her name was, the the billionaire that ended up missing. Did you know that girl, Uh, the main one with the dog, the blonde, is Elvis Presley's, like, granddaughter? What? Really? Oh, I didn't know that. That's what Zane Riley Keough is her name, I think. Something like that. Actress. Yeah. I'm terrible with names, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. nobody's noticed yet, like after all these episodes, <laughs> I'm terrible. Homeboy, I just say homeboy from this or. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, because remember, he she shows him a picture of hers. In the, I mean, I don't know if that's a real thing, if the actress actually like painted stuff. But I feel like, yeah, there's something there with that, too, because that's what he's watching eventually. Towards the end, right? Like he's like. He, it almost feels like he's about to like kill himself. Remember, he like goes buys the saltine crackers and the orange juice, and he plays the movie his mom sent him. Mm-hmm. And like, you're like, was well, he about to fucking end it right here? But uh, no, I do feel like there's something there. But I, dude, there's like again to your point, like they. So going back to the girl, the rising star, who I said he like has sex with. So that scene, they're watching that movie. Do you know that movie that they're playing on that screen is a movie by the director that directed Under the Silver Lake? Really. It's called the Myth of the American Sleepover, and is I was that watching real? it. So live. that girl, the other girl who was so a starlet, a... Um, she's in White Lotus that I was just watching recently. So that girl that they show, like that she's like that he hooks up with, that's in the movie. 
that's not the actual actress from the myth of the American oh, okay. sleepover. Like they spliced her in, but the guy in it and like everything that happens, like that's actually in the movie. Um, and so I watched, I haven't finished it, but I was like watching it last night and the part where his car's getting fucking egged and keyed and he like beats the shit out of those little kids. Hmm. Like that's a part in the movie where like, they're all like these high school or junior high kids are all having a fucking sleepover like the last Friday night before they got to go back to school. And the guys are out like egging and toilet paper people's houses. And I'm kind of like, damn, is he layering in like like this is part of the same universe, kind of in a way. Yeah. Um but I, it I was thought that was hilarious, dude. Like Oh yeah. I mean it, it should have been a precursor, you know. <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, they, his they violence, showed him right? doing violence. Yeah, they he does a lot of violent acts. He does, oh, he yeah. does. He's pretty big on it. <laughs> uh, he beats the shit out of those kids yeah. though, dude. Like that was the most oh, like just gonna get, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, Josh was like, "What the fuck?" When he like when he he just rails back and just cold cocks that first multiple kid, times. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, hey, dude, violence is okay when we're talking about it in the movie, okay? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, no, uh, real life, I I don't yeah, approve of violence in any yeah, category. Yeah. Like, uh, there's a there's a man who wrote a series of books called the Foundation series, and in the first book called Foundation. There's a line you're he likes to Isaac, use. You're talking about Isaac Asimov? I'm talking about Asimov. That is correct. He likes okay. to say that violence is the last refuge of the incompetent. So hmm. let's just say that hmm. if I'm oh. seeing myself as the ideal version of myself, violence is the last refuge. So I would like to go on record, Josh. Let's get this in the minutes. Um, this okay. is the second time, Josh. This is the second time Zach's been like, there's a writer. I don't know who. <laughs> I was uh, going to say Asimov eventually. <laughs> I basically spelled it out. I said foundation, bro. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I know. No, and that, that's a great line from that book. I've always wanted to read it. I know they have a series on Apple TV. Um, I don't know how good it is, but uh, I will say that holds true unless I'm in some kind of freaky Friday situation or 13 going on 30, whatever. If I go back into being a teenager as an like, adult mind, Oh, I'm running around. I'm punching the shit out of every fucking teenager in my high, high school or junior high. I'd just be like, you're a little fucking punk, punch, punch. And then Bro, I feel like it'd be okay. First thing I would do, buy Apple stock. That's all. Like, Jesus you Christ. About well, I was people, thinking bro. the exact same thing. Some sort <laughs> well, of. No, I'm, thinking, like I'm, I'm punching think, everybody. Yeah. So I'm thinking more of like Freaky Friday, not 13 going on. Yeah. Like Freaky Friday where you swatch. Where you swap swap bodies, bodies with, with our niece. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, I'd be running around punching people. Like, with just, bitch, what? You're stupid. Now, just I'm joking, listeners. I'm joking. I'm not the dog killer. I, I mean, he might be. This dude, you should see him when he drives around. He gets so frustrated with people, oh, bro. Yeah. That's true, bro. I, I, I've I've tried to look. There's a book. He needs to do um, yoga and meditation. I mean, I, I met. I oh sorry, I got away from the mic. I meditate and stuff, but uh, uh, there's a book a by nice uh, an economist called the The Law of Stupidity, <laughs> and I, I I have to reread that. And basically, and it says. No matter no matter what you think, the level of stupid people is always going to exceed what you expect. Like, oh, just one period. So one hundred and two percent, bro. <laughs> but dude, it's everywhere. Do you notice? Like oh. after we realized it, like I started to notice it. In Zayn was like, I think things. it's just a podcast thing because everybody <laughs> they say that's on a podcast says it all the time, and I was like, yeah, they do. I hear it at work during meetings. <laughs> I say it at work during meetings, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where yeah, it started, no. but it's in the zeitgeist. <laughs> it's in the zeitgeist. Do you do you use that out when you're gaming, Josh, with your gaming friends? Like, is is that hundred uh, percent? I don't that? think I do. Yeah. Well, I, well, I'm not very. 
you know, you're not fully aware of what you're saying until, you know, you start actually. So I'll, I'll try and start like paying attention to see if I actually say 100%. Well, that's also because Josh doesn't listen to all episodes. So he hasn't been turned on to it. Like, like we have, like, or or we're like, damn, we say that a lot. (laughs) We do. You know, so funny thing we're talking about this. Like, so where do you think kind of going into part of the movie other than Silver Lake, what's the, what would be the message of everyone saying a hundred percent? What would be the, the secret code? You know, why did that become part of the zeitgeist? You know, you know, that's, that's one of the thing that our Andrew Garfield's character, he's always looking for codes and patterns and what's the message. Like, well, would there be one for a hundred percent? Like, so it would be like, uh, you could do like maybe scour the blockchain a hundred times, a hundred or something stupid, or right. maybe like there's a specific song. Like it, it would be so hard with just 100% to figure it out. Right. Well, yeah, it would probably be, had to be related to, to your point. It would have to be to my point, like almost a, a, a oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wait, what did I'm, you say? I missed it. What? <laughs> I probably have said to your point, oh. at least five times. This episode. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least oh, to, to so build, funny. to build on your, to build on what you said to that, um, to that, <laughs> to your point. <laughs> so funny it would would have to be some kind of you would have some kind of situational manual or code breaker where okay i'm listening to this podcast at this time of day i'm in this location so 100 percent means i need to go here or whatever right it would be very layered and to the point where only those who know like that was what it was that's what they were laying down in the movie right the messages weren't for wasn't for him it was for those that needed to know so outside of the initial obviously had a hidden message right the hidden message is he's a dog killer right they don't explicitly Poss- say it you have to kind of figure it out outside of that what do y'all think of the movie like how do you do you like the progression did you like you know how they really went deep into the rabbit hole and the whole we're gonna send shit um do you think the people actually fucking ascend or it's just some bullshit where they're gonna die after six months like what do y'all think I would say yes if it only because they had that owl lady, right? So they portrayed her at, or whatever the story was about her was that she always existed, right? She was this being or deity. But yet she runs away from him when a gun is pointed at her. So maybe it's just a fallacy of this story, like an, an urban legend that's always going on. Or there's like a lot of different owl girls that yeah. changes. Yeah. She's basically a hitman. Yes. And if she was a deity or was real... I would say, yeah, the Ascension's probably real. But again, it could... Oh, and the Ascension would be related to maybe. that, I'm guessing? It could be, it could not be, but those... It allows you to suspend your disbelief yes. more because you're like, if you're fucking... If there's that, then, you know, if she's eternal, then maybe, hey, there's something out there that we don't know about that only the rich know about. Yes, but then she scurried away. Unless, unless, there's a big unless, he was also some sort of deity aka the dog killer and she saw him for who he mm. truly was and that's why she actually scurried and disappeared and therefore making her an actual deity you know hmm. other deities being scared of other deities because an immortal can kill an immortal right i would assume maybe i don't know you know that's a good point because then that would make sense that this was his origin story oh shit. right he's now going to be the person that gets a zine made of him or a legend oh. built and now he's gonna be. Bro, we need to call forever. the Winchesters in because they have <laughs> they have some serious experience Old when it comes to myths and how they become more powerful. 
Oh, Sam and Dean, huh? They're going to save the day. They're like, uh, we're at the Silver Lake right now. We don't know what's going on. Yeah, right. So I would say to your question, Zach, I, I think I enjoyed it more this time around. I think it's a really good movie. It definitely does a great job of doing, you know, neo-noir. It's a great neo-noir, a lot of homage to, you know, old Hollywood and noirs. But it's also really good dark comedy, too, I feel like, mixed in there. And I think when you do a good noir or neo-noir, the the drama and all the things that are going on can heighten other things. And so I think there were some funny moments in it. Um, what do you, What's one of y'all's favorite moments or lines or things that happen in the movie? I really like whenever he goes and it's like, pet so-and-so's head and go sit under newton and he's like hey i'm the homeless king <laughs> i was like what josh goes the guy came out of that bunk the bunker or whatever the underground bunker and josh goes the homeless king and then the guy when he asked that he goes i'm the homeless king josh is like i knew it i knew it he's <laughs> like i've been waiting my whole I, life for a quest to be given heard to about me. that have you ever heard of the homeless king like when I, heard, I saw that i was like what the fuck is this a thing like an urban legend or something i don't think so i would Maybe. feel like it is because isn't it in john wick i don't know if y'all ever seen oh, john seen wick the first i saw like, the first one yeah okay so i don't think he's in the first one maybe he is it's L- Lawrence fishburne's character maybe he shows up in the second uh, one you're thinking of morpheus Morpheus. Well, well, Morpheus is in John Wick. I think he's in the second movie. Bro, you know what would be he super is tight? The King. If fucking John Wick, like the next movie, was like, this is actually a tie into the Matrix. This is a, a, a different Matrix. Oh, dude, that would be crazy. Just right? different that names. Would be crazy. Yeah, dude. So, Josh, what about you? Favorite moment or line well, or, or situation? I mean, I think Zach, whenever Zach was bringing up the song grade, I would say that essentially saying like everything that he that everything that he loved he created and everything it was it all these music since whatever he said are created under the you're under the influence of another man's ambition or some shit or shadow of a man's Mm -hmm. ambition like that whole monologue that guy was spitting out was just like it almost gave kind of like the architect level slash i'm god who are you you know you're 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 a creation you, you are what i created and you know, you know what I mean? It almost had right. that same and, energy. Yeah. And you know what that ties back to you talking about how he could kill a god? Oh because shit, he bro. A god yes, too. Fuck. Dude. Oh shit, this is breaking news. Somebody call somebody. <laughs> Some somebody. <laughs> somebody somebody called the people who write about movies. We had an yeah. idea. When we put up the description for this podcast, we have to make sure we say we've unraveled the mystery under the silver oh, lake because like i think we just hit it i think josh josh just came through with the fucking 102 percent take bro. <laughs> <laughs> so so i would say my favorite parts of the movie are like the little like fun like so like the when he's walking past one of the brides of dracula and she's like oh we're gonna we were gonna call ourselves the brides of frankenstein but we just felt like the cultures are very there's a lot of vampirism in in, in society already and kind of going back to the whole what the songwriter said like building your 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 whole career your what you're trying to do is a shell built on other people's ambition like they kind of like setting it up like this this whole thing that we call entertainment and art and pop 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 culture it's just vampiric it's just we're just sucking it off somebody else 
somebody else's bloodline kind of. So I thought that's interesting when he's like trying to say, you know, do you think he would hide Jesus would hide a message in, in, in his song? And it's like, Jesus would never hide a message. Like, you know what I mean? Like his, his like song he, is the message. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 And I, and I felt like it was a reference to just like religion. Oh, in general. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's no hidden message in in Christianity. Jesus is the message. Right. Um, you mentioned, and that then I reminds me of the McFoyle. Like that dude is yeah. such a good actor. Like, oh, yeah. dude, really, Jimmy Simpson. Yes, he, he's awesome, man. I, I haven't seen him in anything really since he had that kind of bigger role in the first season of Westworld. And around that time, I saw like people writing articles about how you know it's his time. He's really a great actor, and they pointed out all this stuff. But he really is. He's such a he great really actor, is. and he really. I, I I don't know when he's gonna come back to the forefront but you know he should well remember he's also like he was in house of cards he had a pretty prom- prominent role in that for but the again first that was seasons. a while back um, you know like he hasn't really done it anything was a while since, back what was this silver lake came out in 2018 what else has he done since then right oh yeah so like yeah no i guess wealth world was around that same time right yeah. in that same time period i was like i haven't so. seen either of those what you're talking about like but like to to your point of to your point uh he was actually uh like yeah he is a very good actor because like whenever he i have i don't know if y'all ever watched like the outtakes or any of the bloopers for sunny and he's in them he is cracking mac uh what's ah, shit uh, oh uh, He's cracking everybody. Mac and he's tra- cracking Charlie, Charlie Day, Day and, and yeah. Glenn Hall. Yeah. yeah, dude, they've they've said it on their podcast that that guy is the funniest yes. guy they know. And if it makes him laugh, then they know they're yeah. Because the right they're like there'll be so many different takes with him, like on on the bloopers. He'll change it up in a way, and it's just like it, it's just killing them every time. You know, they just <laughs> laughing their asses off, and it's so crazy to think like he was basically there at the inception of the you know. Because he was, wasn't he Charlie Day's roommate? And that, you know, he was part of like no, the. I don't like think he was, was him his and, roommate, I don't think. Yeah, no. Charlie Day and Jimmy Simpsons were roommates. Oh, in real life. And I thought that you meant in the. In real, sorry. yeah, no, no. In real life, they were roommates. Oh, that's and crazy. They that's were crazy. the ones that were like filming a lot of stuff on their own. And then when Charlie met Mac and uh, uh, Rob and, and Glenn, like that's how they were like, well, dude, let's just make our own. Like you guys are, we're always filming stuff with you guys. Let's just shoot our own fucking if we ever get to a level i would love to have him on the podcast like that i feel like that would be a bigger score than getting like fucking ben affleck to be completely oh yeah 100 percent. and you know listeners we're probably decades away from getting that kind of juice but i don't know know, we all have decades bro but like (laughs) damn let's hope Oh, dude. And here's here's how I'll wrap it up about Under the Silver Lake. If you got if you got unless you guys got any something else to say. There's a lot to say. Yeah, there is a lot. Okay, so what would you say this whole meeting movie was actually trying to say to us? What was what would you say your message of this movie was trying to say? That's interesting. Because it's always different, I would assume, with this movie. I'll I'll let Zach go. Uh, I would say the message is that whatever you're taking away from something realize that that's probably not what the actual message is that it's something else and there's other intent behind it and that we all have our own personal attachments to pop culture experiences but there's other interpretations to what it is josh what about you uh i would say uh this movie is trying to say that we that saying us as society 
focuses on useless shit instead and then real things that are going on right in front of us we don't actually pay attention to and let Mm. me say because the dog killer the owl killer like all these important things right under his nose but he was always just wanting to find this one girl or to get some ass you know um so i would say yeah movie to say that society is not, not focusing on things that actually matter instead of you it's focusing on useless shit and then think instead of things that actually matter or something but that's just one of the okay. one of the things i would say but i kind of feel like I, I agree with both maybe this point maybe marries the two together but you know the scene when they're down in the crypt or whatever and she he's with the balloon girl and he's like oh let's dance to this song it's a rem song it's called what's the frequency kenneth so that song was written because it's based on when Dan Rather got attacked by two dudes, like back in 1986. Um, and they were like yelling at him, Kenneth, what's the frequency? So the, the uh, Michael Stipe, who, you know, he's, he's with REM. He wrote that song. He said, I, I wrote the, the, the protagonist of that song to be like somebody who was trying to figure it all out. You know, what motivates like the younger generations and shit. And then basically at the end, he realizes it, none of it matters. Like that, that, it's all completely fucking bogus is what he said. Mm. So like, I feel mm. like how, you, how he sets up this movie with the character, but like trying to find meeting, he puts like some little things in there like that. Like where if you pick it up on it, you're like, Oh shit. Like maybe this, and, and it's right after the girl goes, what is it? Any, like none of it doesn't like she, like to your point, Josh, she's like, doesn't like, none of it doesn't matter. Let's like, let's just fuck. Let's just enjoy our bodies while we have them. And he's like the high he's getting hit from the high of the cook. And he's like, Oh yeah, bro. Let's, let's dance to this song that nobody's really danced to. He's like letting go finally being in the moment. And then obviously he starts freaking out because he ate too much and he throws up and purges <laughs> himself and becomes sober again. To your point, junior, a hundred your point. He did. I was waiting. I was I know, waiting. I know. Same, same. <laughs> you know what, dude, I'm just going to live my life, bro. I don't know nobody else's life. 104%, bro. <laughs> so question to you, Josh might know the answer, but what connects under the silver lake? With the next movie we're going to talk about, Devil in a Blue Dress. What mm. connects it? L.A. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> more specific. Anybody have a more specific mm. reference? Uh, I don't know. Um, dogs. I don't. Zach, dogs. Zach. Zach referenced it earlier with, with about the homeless king when he was got revealed. Uh, the the observatory. The observatory. Yes. Oh, the observatory. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The last and, under the yeah, yep. Aristotle and, or whatever the uh, hell they said. They were, it was in both movies. So I thought I'll, when we were watching Devil in the Blue Dress, would we watch that last night, Josh? I think so. I go, oh shit, dude, that's that was from that was in Under the Silver Lake too. So I was like, oh, that's crazy. Two movies connected um, by one scene. But who wants to give the synopsis of Devil in the Blue Dress? One, I was going to ask is this this was my first time ever watching Same. this movie. Uh, what about you guys? I watched it in in school a while back uh, for one of my. For one of my English classes, which was a film English class. So that's where oh, I watched cool. it for the first time. I have never seen nice. it before. It's about a guy named Ezekiel, whatever, but they call him Easy, whatever his last name is. Uh, Rollins. Rollins. Easy Rollins. Easy Rollins. Yeah. And he is out of a job and he needs money. And so he gets, he's been asking his friends, then gets hired on just to spy on this one person to see if this person shows up. And he'll pay him $100. And then later finds out that he's all these murders are being pent onto him. Slowly, just like 
getting to this whole underground uh child pornography ring or some shit and and being elected in an election race or something like that <laughs> yeah. something like that yeah uh i might be missing yeah, a couple so, points but yeah <laughs> no i think you kind of know i mean you nailed it it's a guy who is down and out gets hired to do a job and kind of like the last movie he gets finds a conspiracy that he never that he was kind of not aware of because he's a, you know he's a he's a black man living in 1948 Los Angeles, just lost his job. And he was literally talking about that, about how he lost his job. Remember, they do a little quick flashback, and he he basically got fired because he was black. Pretty you much. Know, he was talking about, hey, the two white guys, when they call off doing a double shift, nothing happens to them, but I'm getting fired. So, you know, he's just a guy who's just trying to survive. He's gotten a piece of the American dream, but he realizes as a black man that's not saying much, really. Um, you know, he has a house. He has a nice Cadillac. Um, and yeah, he, he takes the job because he needs it. And then he gets involved with some shit. That's like, this is way above my pay grade. Well, it's the ambitions of what they would call greater men in under the silver Lake. Right. The, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's so crazy. Like the, I don't know if this is something that overarchingly in noir films, there's like a, a greater powers that be that someone like way lower is like, eventually exposed to i feel like in most of them that we've watched there's some elements of that right so like uh what was it uh the big sleep that kind of happened where there's the guy who's running all the like um like underground casinos and crime and like los angeles uh and so like tying that into this is really and even like under the silver like into like this is fun because you know it is it's all politically motivated there's like people that are way higher up that are moving things around that can keep you out of jail or put you in jail and i, I really like that no yeah i think what you're saying as far as the powers that be the ambitions you know one of the the two french guys that like kind of created film noir the whole jargon they didn't feel like there was like a theme or a structure. They just said it has like these qualities. One is it's like uh, oneric, like a, a waking dream. It feels like a waking dream. Strange things occur, uncanny things. Um, and then it's very, amb there's an ambivalence. And I think that's what you see in a lot of these movies is the ambivalence of these like power people in the movies. Like they're just ambivalent. They don't like it. It doesn't fucking matter to them. Like whatever. They're going to do what they got to do. And, and there's a lot of violence. And like you see that in Devil in a Blue Dress. Like there's a lot of violence that happens um, very quickly in the movie. And, and, and then you, you, even one of the, I guess, protagonists here, the here, one of the heroes sidekicks is a very violent man. Old you, Mouse. You're talking about War played, Machine Cheadle? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, old War Machine Cheadle. He's Cheetle, Captain bro. Planet. He, which is, bro. he's great in this movie, man. Like I, this has to be like one of his earlier movies. Yeah, he's really good. But he, he's great in it. But uh, yeah, I mean, exactly what you were saying earlier, what you laid down earlier, yeah, the, that ambivalence, that whatever, like, you know, these men of power, what was the guy, the, the pedophile, the pedophile guy that Josh was talking about, um, Terrell, who was, and, and here's the thing, right? It's really unfair to you bigger people that they paint the pedophile as a chubby. <laughs> like, oh, man. Cut that, cut that. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, which, you know, the point I was going to make, how is it that this guy is a, a literally a pedophile? They even, like, before you find out about it, that that's the photos that are, like, 
or the message, the letter, whatever that, you know, got Coretta killed. Um, he meets this Terrell who's running for mayor of Los Angeles. And he's like, oh, this is my adopted son. Give Jesus. me a kiss. Yeah, oh, give me a God. kiss. And his name's Jesus. So that, that's two movies Jesus, with Jesus yeah. in it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you, you meet that character and they're, they're kind of already setting it up, foreshadowing like that weird interaction. Um, but he's blackmailing the Todd Carter guy because his fiance is actually black or half, half black. black. Yeah, yeah. Right. She's her mom's Creole. Her dad was white. And that was what got that guy to drop out of the race because Terrell, even though he is, you know, uh, in a very, very like criminal thing that he's doing, a very sick thing, the leverage of her being half black is enough to let him still be in the race as opposed to the other guy. You know, and it's that's very kind of- reminiscent of some of the political things we see going on right now where it's like, you know, somebody who may or may not have, you know, won the last election being you know raided by the fbi you know a lot of their supporters are like yeah but you support abortion i you know you're selling potentially theoretically or what is it allegedly selling or in violation of the espionage act um but guess what we don't support killing babies so you know it doesn't matter this is all politically motivated like it just the things that people will harp on like Oh, right. he's dating someone that's half black. Mm, I can't really. That's why you gotta hate right. American politics, man. It just makes no goddamn sense. One hundred and six percent. So let's dial it back by about twenty seven percent and uh, <laughs> go going back to the whole what you were saying, like how the racist part of this movie. I think they do the. I mean, you took this movie in that film film literature class. So it's based on a book by is it Walter Mosley is the the author's name, who created this Easy Rollins character. Um, what, what did y'all talk about in that movie? Because I think this movie does a really good job of depicting like a lot of it was adaptation. He, 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 so like a lot of what okay, the class just, focused on was like adaptation um, and like you know how well it's done versus not. And so it, it was pretty true to the work, but you know obviously there's certain liberties taken because you can't really translate a book nine times out of 10 specifically to the screen. Cause sometimes it just doesn't work as our friend, um, Charlie Kaufman really showed us. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I was going to say is, is as far as like the, the whole reason why Daph- it's, it's her name's Daphne, Daphne Monet, I think was her name, but, uh, you know, her half being half black, like they set it up through the whole movie that, like when it, once it's revealed, you're like, oh shit! I mean, that's basically that's why old Easy Rollins is always he didn't want to go meet uh, what's his name Tom Sizemore's character at the Malibu Pier. Like he's very cautious and very aware. Like he's a black man, and there's certain things he can't do or be. Or like when he's driving her to that Laurel Canyon or whatever to see old Richard McGee. Like you know he drives by a cop. He's very like nervous and paranoid about it. Like so. You know, when it's the reveal, you're like, oh, yeah, it makes fucking sense. Like, that's basically what this whole movie has been saying. It's like how, how you know, this Easy Rollins character and, and and the black person in general at that time, like, even though they were even moving today, to bro. L.A. Even today. Yeah, even today. But even more so then because they went out to West Coast because they thought they were going to have more jobs. I think it's mentioned that in the movie. Yeah. And then it's like they still have to deal with all the racist like racism is still there i think he even says that line somewhere towards the end when they're standing there by that the observatory like you know 
we fought a war and still the race line goes both ways. You know, a rich, powerful white man is not going to cross the color line. Um, even though he like, cause even the, even Todd Carter goes, I just want you to know, I do love her, but like to him and where he is in his station of life, he can't have that in, you know, in his world. And Star uh, Trek 20 years later, fucking broke the mold, bro. <laughs> what is her name? Aurora. Exactly. I don't know the actual actor. Yep. Yeah. But, but I, I think it's so interesting that both times that observation is like, when we talk about under the silver lake and that ambition, like you see it depicted there at that scene when they're, when they're there and it's basically wrapping up. It's like, the ambition of him being a white billionaire or whatever and his family's like ambitions supersedes the fact that he loves that loves Daphne the the links that Daphne went to get those pictures right because she had got paid thirty thousand dollars to leave town and instead she tried to like find shit on Terrell and despite all of that the ambition of you know his family and what they wanted for his life superseded any of anything else so it's like you're like oh shit going back to what zach was saying earlier it's just that ambition and ambivalence and you're just like fuck everybody else who's in the way yeah so who are your favorite characters let's let's i mean i think junior might have really liked mouse um bro (laughs) i like mouse he's pretty good the mouse was crazy dude he's like (laughs) i like the scene where he was like basically about to shoot easy when he was drunk Oh, dude, that was scary. Dude. Yeah, dude, that was and actually also, a funny. Also, I scene. really wished Dad had gone by Easy. That was like such a. Yeah, I never no, really noticed real. that. Like, you could just do that. <laughs> you could just do yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> like, this was a thing we could do this whole time. <laughs> what was the question again? God damn it! <laughs> who are like, your who, favorite who characters? Your fa- characters. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of like that uh, old boy that was sitting by himself eating chicken. And then, like, he was interrupted oh, by Deacon Odell. Odell, and then he showed up at the end also eaten. It's just, and I was like yeah, hoping no. that the last, absolute last scene he had still had food, just because it, it, every almost every scene he, he was in, he had food. And I was just like, oh, that would be a nice little running gag. He was just always eating, enjoying, sitting outside, chilling. I said to Zaina when he was eating that chicken, I was like, that is the nastiest looking chicken I've ever seen in my life. Like, that does not look good. Whatever, man. I didn't even know what they were eating. I just knew he was eating. I, I was like, what? I don't know what's my going on. My favorite character uh, was the guy who kept trying to cut down the trees. I was, like, I was about to say, <laughs> I, was like, I bet the you that's... <laughs> what was his... I didn't you know understand what I... that. I didn't, I didn't... You know what I think that character was? Um, you know, because every noir has like this drunken fool that's in there, but he's more than, you know, a drunken fool. Um... I think that was like part of that, but like they just weren't going to play it up that he was drunk. He was just a weird old guy in the fucking neighborhood that kept trying to steal people's trees. Um, I think maybe that's that was the point of that because he remember he he kind of helps him out when you know oh uh, what's what's Daphne Monet's brother's name Frank Green yeah like he he was like trying to get in and, and easy like what what and he's like there's somebody on the side and he's like oh shit and like so it saves his life but it just like yeah I think that was. He was just that drunk character, like in, in a lonely place, the, the drunk actor who would always be like the drunk thespian, the big sleep. I don't know if there was one in the big sleep necessarily. Maybe his uh, uh, his his agent in the big sleep or no, that's not the big sleep. That was in a lonely. the big sleep, probably Jonesy in a way, but Jonesy wasn't a drunk. But like he's just that ancillary character that's kind of there the whole time. And you're aware that kind of comes through in a moment of, of like crisis. So, um, which I don't know if that's necessarily part of the noir structure. It just might be part of the storytelling structure of Hollywood at that point. Um, 
but yeah, no, I, I did find him. He kind of reminded me of Friday, like like maybe they based Ozell off of him a little bit. And well, I guess Friday came out before this, didn't it? Friday was nineteen nineteen ninety four. I wonder what that's about. Yeah. Like, what's the term for that type of character? Like, uh, specifically in these types of movies, because I feel like you know other movies we could call it like comedic relief or something. But like, why are they at it? Like, we're a movie podcast. We should know these things, or at least yeah, no, we need to start digging into these things. Dude. We need to find answers. We'll, we'll, we're on this we'll, journey together. We'll, we'll update the viewers one day. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I feel next like maybe November, we've gotten, we'll know next November, but I feel like we've gotten dumber as we've done this podcast. I feel like, like we, we just, are exploring things that we usually don't, bro. Like, I feel like true, we've gotten true. better. I don't, I don't feel as dumb. Well, well then maybe, mean, that's, maybe dumb. that's, that's the incorrect word. Maybe I just say, you know, because we're exploring so many things, we don't, we're kind of lazy because we're just trying to experience it as opposed to like really breaking it all the way down. So yeah, sure. next November. If we do November, um, you know, we can break it down a little bit more. Um, now, I mean, I think, yeah, to me, for my favorite character, yeah, I would say probably Mouse, especially the line when he like kills the bar owner Joppy. Oh, goes, yeah. If, if you didn't want me to kill him, why did you leave him with me? Like, it's he, just, like he painted such a perfect <laughs> argument. He was like, "How am I supposed to go in there and help you if I'm out here trying to tie yeah, him up?" Exactly. <laughs> He's like, "I told you not to shoot him. I didn't. I choked him." Like he's, he's just a character. And I think that's how interesting at the end when he's talking and you found out why they called him Deacon Odell when they were in that nightclub. Cause he goes, the guy Odell, the, the character that's, you know, he always goes to church on every Sunday. So like when he's talking about like, if you have a friend that knows, you know, he does bad things and you know, and all this stuff, like, is it, is it wrong to be his friend? He was like, we all need friends or, you know, something about all, we, we all need friends. And, and so I was like, Oh, cool. Like, you're like, yeah, you're right. Like, you, you, I think we all have a friend that might push that envelope, but you're just at the end of the day, you're like, you know, he's my friend. You know, I, I don't have any friends that kill people, though. So I, I don't know if I could make that same statement, but it's a different time back then. I mean, right? it was it's hard different. for Easy in that moment because, like, he was even friends with the barkeeper. So it's like, a, a, like my friend killed my friend type of situation. Right. Even though, like, and his y- friend that was killed killed Carlotta? Carlotta? Was it Carlotta? Is that Coretta? Coretta, Coretta, yeah. Um, which that Coretta scene when he she's like fucking him while her man's sleeping and like how they kind of play that she's up. She's like, "You're being too loud, easy." And I was like, "Bitch, what? <laughs> mm, you're hitting my spot. You're hitting my you're spot. Hitting my spot." I was like, "You're gonna wake up your fucking husband? Jesus. You kidding me? Easy asking questions is too loud." So you know, I I like that whole aspect, and you kind of referenced it in under the silver like how he was like just getting laid whatever it's it's kind of i feel like it's a a subversive part or not maybe not even subversive it's just taking what like in the big sleep when like he spends time with the librarian or the book girl and you wonder you know she pulls down the shades they she starts to like unbutton her top but like just to like drink and then they cut to it's stopped raining and it's kind of like implied that they had sex so like in this movie, Devil in a Blue Dress and Under Silver, like it's just like the characters just have the sex, and you see it, and you're like, oh, this is these are those parts in those old noir movies where they couldn't necessarily show it, and now they're just leaning so completely like, into it. Guy girl sex scenes or like a, a womanizer typically. Like I would be interested to know if there are any like homosexual noir movies where like the guys hooking up with other guys. Um, 
because that could be an interesting take. Like maybe we maybe we should have gained more, you know? Yeah, no, I was thinking. I was thinking. I was trying to think. Is there any like female noir movies? Or that, like, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it, and I was actually thinking about. I was like, dude, I, it would be interesting to have one where she's, you know, she's a lesbian, you know, the the main character, and she gets in some neo noir or noir circumstances, and you know, she's or, out there. Or, or let's blow some minds. You're fucking androids, right? Like oh my, in okay. fucking Blade Runner, bro. Like, what's up? Oh like, yeah, like even... Blade Runner. Man, I forgot about that movie. Yeah, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. That's next week's movie. I, but, I'm just uh, I'm we'll, prefacing. We'll, we'll drop a little. We'll drop a little nugget here. Yeah. Um, Spoil alert um, after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just thinking about uh, in that movie, The Myth of the American Sleepover, who by directed by the guy that under Silver Lake. There's something about, oh, they played the oracles in the, in the Odyssey. It's just, you know, some characters in there. And I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it be interesting to kind of do an updated Odyssey for the 21st century and the oracle, instead of the oracle being like these mythical creatures, they're, it's just an AI. And so, like, you just rewrite the Odyssey in the 21st century, however that There's a like. really interesting graphic novel called, called O-D-Y-C, and it's Odyssey, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's like a acid trip space telling of the Odyssey, which is really cool, which just reminded me of what you were saying. It's not necessarily the same, but pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that would be cool. Um what else do you have from that standpoint of like what would be another good noir movie like that you probably don't feel like it's out there represented or, or been touched based on? I know we talked about like a religious noir movie oh, yeah. um, would be interesting, but like what other like maybe like protagonists or situations you, you know think would cool? like lend itself to a good noir a movie? Like fantasy noir. Or, or fantasy noir. I was going to be like supernatural. Oh, like like set in a like Lord of the Rings-esque world where, you know, maybe it's like a, a dwarf stumbles upon the murder of a, a high-ranking oh, elf, okay. right? Okay, yeah. And they're, they're planning it on him initially? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Or he easy. eventually becomes like a suspect and he has to like clear his name or like clear one of his family members or friends' names. Or like there's a oh. like a ranger, a human ranger who like he knows who gets pinned it's on. Like Lord of the Rings still. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm really I'm really laying leaning <laughs> yeah, no, into no, the Lord of the Rings. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And I, I think that's hundred and seven percent, bro. At that okay, point. Hundred and twelve percent. Um No, I think that's a good one. Didn't mean you have one, Josh, for like maybe like Star Wars? Like in the outer rim. Mm, that'd be and cool. I, you know, because the Mandalorian's kind of a spaghetti western in the outer rim. What it would be like, yeah, noir kind of star wars where it's like i don't know or maybe you know how back in the day they were doing like uh at a certain point like the series rome got pretty popular and like old Mm -hmm. like going back to like that era and it's like a historical dramatization of like a noir in ancient rome okay yeah i like that i like the some some random plebe gets involved with things he shouldn't fucking be involved with or and uh, to make it even crazier you make this a third person like you there's no specific character just to even break the mold there's you're just literally pandering around the city and you're like what oh, the fuck just blocks yes there's just blocks yes <laughs> and but i don't know if you know like you know what i'm saying there was a movie that was that did something like that there was no main cast like it was a some weird mo- i don't know what it was called but it was a sin. Have you ever watched Richard Linklater? No, no. He uh, he's a meandering 
director, but what's the movie that Wait he a minute. Did? Yeah, no, I do. You, you've, you, you, yeah. Dazed and Confused yeah. and, There's and the, Slackers. Slackers and, is the one where it's all over the yeah. place. Yeah, Slackers. I love Slackers because it's just different. You know, there's another one that he did, but I, I think it's on the Criterion channel. And I just didn't, like, I tried to start watching it, but it's like a four hour oh, movie. Oh. It's some kind of avant garde. Like, he like splices together, I want to say, like, public TV access, like, video. Uh, sounds and, like, the familiar. first 20, 30 minutes is just like the colored screens and the different, you know, like, when it starts, like, it's different colors or there's like the symbol on there. And it's just like, I mean, I, I, I think I was drunk one night and I tried to watch it and I just passed out. Have but, you ever uh, watched uh, his, his, um, series with ethan hawk uh, there's a trilogy i don't know what the trilogy is called oh yeah uh, p- p- uh before sunset uh or p- i think before it's before sun- sunrise then it's before sunset and then it's before midnight is the last one yeah 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 now i've always wanted to watch it oh, um, beautiful beautiful movies you've seen it i've seen is the it? first two and i started the third one okay yeah I, I, there's there's a few of his stuff like which i always forget that he did fucking school of rock with Jack Black. Yeah, no, no, I totally you, forgot about that until you just that. I I kind of love that movie. I mean, I don't know. It just makes me feel good um, when I watch it. Mm, makes me feel it, all cozy and comfy. You, you know, it touches me in places that no one dares to go. And I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm just okay with that. I know last week we did the hard change from a noir to like a very like violent neo-noir but i would say this week's are both definitely neo-noir movies um but i think you know i I, you know i think i've really kind of enjoyed these two movies and even drive like kind of seeing how you know because i have become a noir fan and like part of me is like part of me is a purist oh it's got to be black and white but like you know and i I like brick there's some um, other with devil in the brew dress it was actually black and white in a in a figurative sense right right yes definitely in a figurative sense and i think there was talks of them actually shooting in black and white but i think the the director was like no i want to um not do that but i think they did a good job of like darkness and shadows throughout the movie and i like the color palette of how everything looks so far how you've enjoyed this the experience of the noir vember um it's pretty great it is pretty good and this is my first time actually I mean, as far as I know, introduced into a noir noir series, so it's it's definitely something like I like it. It's it's different, and it's it's not for a lot of people. Just because if they're not paying attention in the movie, they're not going to pay. It's not going to all come together. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially like in the Big Sleep and in this movie, Under the Silver Lake, or the one movie we talked about this week, like. There's so much shit going on. You're like, I need a, I need a fucking whiteboard <laughs> to like draw lines and connect shit, shit together. Like Charlie, whenever he's like, Pepe Sylvia, Pepe <laughs> yeah. Sylvia. It's like upstairs. They're <laughs> always talking about the mail. Like, where is it? <laughs> you, you, you know, talking about Charlie, like it just made me think of like comedy. That would be an interesting like noir movie where it's a comedian. Like he's the fucking protagonist that gets brought into a weird fucking situation. Mm. Mm. A comedic noir. Just, that could be a comedic that would be noir. Yeah, like he's like, and because you also like, I don't know if you've ever listened to any comedian podcasts. Like when they talk about like some of the shit they used to do, like you know, especially the ones that have probably like sobered up and are not as wild. You could literally take a comedic noir into very dark places, like in and of itself. Like comedians have 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 a 
a tendency to be very buck wild and do some crazy shit. Do you feel like, so we had originally challenged you to explore anime. Do you feel like Death Note, from what you've seen, I don't know if you watch more than the two episodes, do you feel like that would be categorized as noir? I can see it in the first two episodes, especially since how I mentioned that, like the different characteristics of, of a noir, it's very, it, it feels like a waking dream. Like the care, mm-hmm. like what's going on, right. That you have this, this Japanese guy to death. He's like chit chatting with this fucking dude. He dropped a death note to, and only he can see him. And, and the ambivalence and violence of this guy who's trying to purge, like it definitely has that aspect, especially kind now in that dog episode. killer esque. Yes. Dog killer esque. Also like in his mind, he's what he's doing is purposeful. And he's got a lot of ambition and he's going to fucking crush the world because of it and try to make it a better place. But then also how they introduce the detective in the second episode, which I'm, I've only watched the first two, but like the L. So now you got this detective is who's like going to get involved. So like I can see it. Um, and I can also think about like, I have seen a few noir uh, Japanese noir movies. And, you know, one of the reasons the French love the American noir is because it kind of, pulled the curtain away from this like great American power and showed like the, what supposedly the underbelly of American society is the dark corners, the fringe people. And the Japanese had a huge part of that too. When they were after the war, after they got bombed, I'm sure the way Japanese culture was of curtain got drawn back in that aftermath. And so they have a lot of good noir movies too. And I can see how that probably just influenced their culture going forward too. So like I see it in death note and, uh, I'm kind of really kind of ready to see, especially when they introduce L. Now I'm kind of like, okay, I want to see how the fuck this little chess match goes on. Yeah, no, that's, um, going forward, that's pretty fun. That's probably the best aspect yeah. of it, right? You know, it's really interesting to see the whole. You know, uh, I think um, in the Smartless podcast that Jordan Peele was in, where he talked about you know what he's really interested in. He said, you know, a lot of what I really like viewing is anime because they deal with a lot of high concept stuff. And oh, yeah. Death Note's mm-hmm. a, a very high concept idea. It's not like the highest that anime has gone, but like it's a high concept. Like this Shinigami drops a note and this guy is able to kill anybody he wants to within a certain within certain parameters. Right. You know, right. If they if the name's just in here, they'll die of a heart attack within like two minutes or something 40 seconds yeah and so then there's like you can also be specific and there's all those things and like that's really cool but the real fun starts whenever you start to have that like pitting two very brilliant people against each other and seeing how that goes i agree with that jordan pill sentiment especially after we watched paprika and and mind game i said oh i can completely see one just from the aspect of what can be represented and expressed via, you know, the visual form of anime. So, and I'm also kind of like what you said about him dropping the death note, the Shinigami. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. Again, I, okay. Like why he did it. I think he, he kind he of bored. explained. He said he was bored. Yeah. Like if you, in that first scene when he's up yeah. in, I don't know, the afterlife or whatever with all the other Shinigami, there's not really anything going on. They're all just dicking around. And he's like, this is fucking boring. Well, there you go. There, There's there's another. He was just ambivalent. He's like, whatever, bro. I'm bored. I'm just going to drop this thing and see what the fuck happens. <laughs> it's kind of like, funny. So, again, kind of noirish in a way, yeah. like what he's doing. So far, everything y'all shown me noir-wise hasn't been, you know, more about I'm just like, this is stupid shit. But, I mean, I don't think that's going to be what's, the case. Uh, what's one thing that we taste. recommended that you thought that besides, like, obviously the worst movies? Has there been anything 
No, no, dude. I mean, uh, the worst movies, obviously, that one's just we're we're kind of fucking ourselves yeah. either way. No. But I have tried to adopt ever since like watching everything everywhere and Paprika. Like, let me just try to find the one like good thing or what the, or what they were trying to do. But ultimately, we love just to talk a lot of shit. So like you know, or at least I do. I don't want to group y'all in there, but uh, um, that's just my default setting, just talking some shit. But no, I, I mean, think I think all the movies y'all ever have told me, I, I don't, I have never really found that much of an issue. Now, I find issues when you, you Zach, oh. is like, you know, like when I'm watching some just when you're watching basic suits fucking pro- and I'm like, that's yeah, a basic stupid. procedural show, man. It's just, it just, it, it's, <laughs> fam- it's familiar. Yeah, it's familiar. It's familiar because of the beats. It, I know exactly. What's gonna happen? And so, sometimes it's just uh, good to see you're like the like guy that. who fucking discovered missionary for the first time. And, uses it all the time right? <laughs> and I got this big smile on my face, and I'm like covering my wife's like, mouth. It's familiar. Don't talk. It's like no, 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 no. We don't do that kind of lingus around here. Right. It's not familiar. No, but I, I, I mean, to your point, I think we've to your pin needle. I think we're all experiencing. I know I fucking I, I, did, I was, I was going to try to talk very quickly to get past it, but to what you mentioned earlier, in regards to our experiencing, I think we're all through this so far. I don't know, twenty, twenty some odd episodes. We're all experiencing each individually new things that we haven't experienced before. I think that helps build this band of movie brothers together as from an experience standpoint so that if we ever do make a movie we can at least be able to reference things together and be like oh yeah we've seen this we know you know we know what that is true, true, true. but the exposure piece has been fun every time we're in something like whatever genre it is i, I explore further out into the fringes of like older stuff and to give me because i think we've probably established that I'm, I'm the guy that wants to see where it came from like what influenced it if you had to say what you you are, Zach, as far as like in this podcast or what you've kind of discovered yourself, like what are you? I don't know. I mean, if I was being like generous with myself, I would like to think that I would just be playing the wild card. I like being wild card. <laughs> wild card, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what about yourself? I don't, I don't know. It's just... I'm not very articulate, so I wouldn't even know the goddamn word that would come up or title or whatever. Well, I mean, you say that, but I think you always make good points. So, like, I think you're just kind of getting caught up that me and Zach are very bombastic when we talk. We we can we can ramble on just making up words. Um. <laughs> to your point. <laughs> to your point. That's one hundred and eight percent true. <laughs> You know what? I will not be the whipping boy of this fucking podcast. Okay? You got it. You got to rein yourself in, bro. You just keep <laughs> leaning into it. You said it like three times earlier. Twice we didn't mention. Uh, I think. Okay, Mister Compelling. Is it compelling? <laughs> is it compelling? <laughs> what is next week? It's it's uh, Blade Runner, which we kind of mentioned a little is that bit the earlier. Original one or the newest one? Yeah, yeah the ri- the original Blade Runner. And then the other one is 12 Monkeys. Oh, oh yeah. no, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 12 Monkeys, right, with yeah. Bruce Willis. I've seen both of those. Yeah. Yeah, so, mm. yeah, so next week's going to be interesting. Talking about those tech noirs. Um, I'm kind of excited about it. So we'll wrap up Noir Vember next week. We had a nice little spectrum of noir movies this Noir Vember. We got any sponsors we need to plug? Still? No? Nothing? Uh, okay. Brought to you by Crunchyroll. <laughs> Make sure you uh, go ahead and sign up with our link so I can get five free weeks of Crunchyroll. Yeah. Save me $7 a month. Thanks. Bro, I want that premium so bad so I can rewatch Dragon Ball, the original. 
I just want to watch it over again, man. You know, I kind of want to watch it again after watching that movie. Yeah. Well, there you go. And uh, really quick, this episode was brought to you by the letter D for diabetes. (laughs) Um, Until next time. All right. See you later, guys. Uh